Warning, this episode will be explicit. This is a film where someone is accused of child sexual abuse. So if you don't even like hearing about that, then listen to another episode of this podcast, perhaps from earlier, perhaps from later, by the time, you know, you get what I mean. But basically this will be explicit and I wanted to provide that trigger warning before I turned on the music. Now for the episode. Three, two, one. Hello, welcome to the Fungi Collective. This is the first Hebrew language film I've seen called Big Bad Wolves. And it's basically about uh, three men. How can I say this without giving things away? Basically, there are three men here. There's a school teacher, there's a cop, and there's the father of a murdered girl, you know? And uh, basically, this is all about how this incident impacts them. So, yeah, what what's the initial incident is... I'm going to not say spoilers for this part, but I'm going to go into spoiler analysis after the shout-out, so my spoiler-free review will go like go like this, okay? So, yeah, basically, in a in a field somewhere, there is a, uh, there's a body of a girl that is found headless, and uh, it's very heavily implied that she has been abused before death. And this is the inciting incident because the girl's father is prevented from seeing the uh, the thing. Quentin Tarantino actually called this the best film of 2013. I would not say so. I'm currently undecided what the best film of 2013 was in a year of uh, pretty great films. I mean, Captain Phillips is pretty good. There's Wolf of Wall Street. There was uh, Frozen. Well, Frozen's not one of the greatest of the year. Definitely not. But, you know, it was better than probably some other things, you know. But you get what I mean. But anyway, so back to Big Bad Wolves. I think that this film really just, it's an interesting spin on what people call vigilante justice. You'll remember that, uh, you know, the police couldn't really do anything. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm it's, it's not a spoiler to say that uh, basically the cop guy is fired from his job in this film and acts as a civilian. And the, the main cop guy says... No, not the main cop guy, his uh, superior. He says, now that you're a civilian, you do what you want. And yeah, it goes from there. But basically, I think this film was interesting in questioning the very nature of good and evil. And it's not for the faint of heart, you know? The subject matter is quite disturbing. And, uh, you know, there is there are a couple of scenes... There are a few scenes of uh, violence that will make the squeamish flinch and perhaps uh, look away in disgust. I I know some people who will not be able to watch this film whatsoever. Uh yeah. Um anyone as I said in the trigger warning, anyone who does not like uh viewing material or listening to uh descriptions of child sexual abuse should really avoid this film because that's what the uh, main suspect is accused of. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, shout-outs now because I feel like this is a 7 out of 10 movie. It could have been better, but it was surprisingly pretty good. It runs about 1 hour 46, and uh, it's actually... <clears throat> I think that I I honestly should view more world cinema, because, you know, it's not the best film you'll see, but it's a solid film, you know? And it was an interesting take. I don't think, like, an English-speaking country would do this. Like, maybe they would. I mean, you know what I mean. I don't think this would be a movie in, say, the USA. The, you know, the USA would not make a movie like this. I know they tend to go dark sometimes, like with Seven or something like that. 
but, you know, they never quite go this dark. You know, this isn't as dark as, say, the house that Jack built, but it's still pretty dark. Definitely. So, yeah. Now I'm going to go into the shoutouts. Tick Up Arenos, Classic Blonde, Naked Air Plan, KO, Savage Elbow, Also One, Sam from IJ, uh, Still Mellow, Lee JM75, Contrera, Tessie Cat, Pat Cat, Mary Amber, Real Sharks Podcast, aka Riri Shaku, Autistic in Melbourne, Ashy Slashy, Heavenly Imagine, Rose Begali, Larry1937-2621, Dev Diner, Marbella Unicorn, Talk Me Into, Schlock V, Films with Amy, Film Mamatic, Zeus, Elsie Cool, Zach Ascot, Craig Fisher, and Caution Spoilers, which doubles as your spoiler warning. So, yeah. We, uh, we're opening with slow motion footage of little girls playing. The film's titles are on the roof, and it appears handcrafted, and it that actually does look pretty amazing. So, uh, yeah, there's this man being held down in a chair. There's, he's a teacher. He's beaten and strangled by two other men, and uh, the man is asked where, where a girl is. You know, another person's recording absolutely everything. And the head of police interrogates this man with the policeman's son in the room, using it as, like, a teaching moment. So, yeah, I should mention about this film, it has <laughs> a really surprising streak of uh, humour, mostly dark humour, but never at the expense of, well, almost never at the... I think there's one joke that might be seen as uh, tasteless, but mostly never at the expense of the crime at hand, you know? Uh, the jokes are more about uh, a twist in which, you know, they're trying to interrogate this uh, possible pedophile. So, yeah. Anyway, um, so, yeah, it turns serious quickly when the when there's a little girl staged headless and with barbed wire around her lower legs. The girl's father's kept from viewing the scene. And it's interesting how it goes between uh, dark comedy to just dark, you know. And evidence is previously shown from the opening scene, but it's covered up by another man who presses a space bar. I think he's some sort of computer whiz. And it was a good transition to hear a school bell ring before we see a girl pass a boy a note. The, the teacher, the guy being, who guy was being punched, he takes the note. And he's, yeah, on the test papers he's given, the notes read, pedophile son of a bitch and rapist. Like, everyone has it in for him. So, yeah. In fact, we go to uh, we go to the girl's father, right? And yeah, basically he wants uh, he wants a woman to scream for him to test, and he quotes, "If his son playing drums in the basement will disturb him, the test is successful." Unfortunately for anyone who goes into the basement later, so the teacher from before knocks on a car window, waking the man guy up, and the man's still suspicious. He murders little girls. The man does try to prove his innocence, and honestly, I'm still not sure after the film if he's innocent or not. So, yeah. And the man is, uh, yeah. Once the uh, policeman becomes a civilian, he uh, tases a dog for some reason. I don't get why he tases a fucking dog. So, yeah, he, he, didn't, he then chases his, the main suspect through various hedges, streets... And it's interesting when the suspect gets caught in the corner between a parked truck and a wall, the way it just zooms in, the suspect is tasered, and uh, the man places him in the boot. 
Interesting use of jump cuts as we see through a second man's windshield driving through our streets following our main man. Our main man makes the suspect dig at gunpoint for reasons unknown, but the man stops digging and is threatened at gunpoint. When the gun fires, the chains are empty. I mean, you know, I guess it's like with Russian roulette and... I meant, no, chamber. Chambers. Not chains, chambers. I'm getting the words mixed up sometimes, but, you know, we're still learning here. The second man following them, who turns out to be from internal affairs, has the suspect place our main man in the boot, before also knocking him out with a shovel. I think he was just covering. But, yeah, it just connected to me during the viewing in that moment that it was the headless girl's father who were... Yeah, I'll refer to the him as the girl's father... It wasn't, there was an interesting line here, though, you know. Uh, he was saying to the suspect, uh, maniacs aren't afraid of guns. No? What then? Maniacs are afraid of maniacs. Now, the girl's father wants the main man to... Actually, wait. No, what was he saying? I can't remember. Anyway. So, maniacs are afraid of maniacs. The girl's father wants the main man to interrogate the suspect with him. That or a couple other options that aren't exactly great. Now, the girl's father reads from a fairy tale written by the Israeli police where the suspect is the wolf. At this point, I'm thinking this man may be innocent or he may be guilty. We don't know. It gets you thinking. Do you really want to torture someone if justice is based on innocent until proven guilty? Why does the father snap? Ah, well, that said, it's pretty funny when the father... (laughs) is about to break one of the suspect's fingers and then his mother interrupts him on the phone. (laughs) But yeah, our main man, the cop, just wants the suspect to talk. And he doesn't want to break anymore. And the suspect, any more fingers. So the suspect says he has a daughter of his own. And that he would never do such things to little girls. Like, he's really trying to prove his innocence. So the suspect's hand is, uh, yeah, the girl's father comes back in. The suspect's hand is bashed three times. The father suspects rightly the two talked. And the suspect wanted the main man to let his guard down. But the girl's father... Uh, yeah, the father is cuts off the big toenail of the suspect. Quite a painful scene, actually. But it's nothing if you've seen Hostel or the house that Jack built. Good use of a split-screen-like device between the girl's father and the grandfather. This is when the grandfather later comes into the house in this brief plot summary. I'm remembering to the best of my ability with notes that I made on Microsoft Word. That's what I usually do. I usually create notes and I sort of half improvise and semi-scripted if you're wondering uh sometimes i i script totally sometimes i improvise totally but you know back to the back to the thing okay so yeah the father insists to the grandfather nothing's going on where the main man and the suspect are struggling in the basement he passes them off as rats but the grandfather does come down and confronts the father we get the father's motivations as he explains it to his grandfather The school said his daughter was missing whilst he was receiving, and in his words, a blowjob from his secretary and cheating on his wife. But then he says, but if I'm already being punished for bad deeds, and I've done plenty, then at least I'll take that son of a bitch with me. But not before he tells me where he buried her head. You know, with a, when I'm watching a foreign film, when I have to recite dialogue in English, it, I don't know, it feels a little bit weird because I can't speak the language, obviously, but then it sounds all different in English. You get what I mean, I guess? So yeah, the suspect is told by a main man to take some pain before ret- pretending to reveal the location of the head to, uh, quote-unquote, buy us some time. The grandfather comes in and he turns out to be 
from the military. He used to be in the military and, you know, he keeps complaining about the, uh, the father's generation and stuff. Um, I'm not sure the, uh, I mean, the girl's father corrects him and, and the suspect is the one who ends up being burned with the blowtorch. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure that the grandfather would give in that quickly to the father's plan. That's my issue with the film. That's uh, one of my issues that gives it a 7 out of 10 and not an 8 out of 10. 7 out of 10 would be like uh, three and a half stars, if you're wondering. So, yeah, uh, the suspect, uh, I'm not sh- that's, the suspect's chest is slowly burnt with a blowtorch, as I was trying to get at. So the grandfather, oh, this was, this was kind of hilarious, actually. The grandfather begins eating the same cake that the girl's father put in the fridge, not realizing it's poisoned. It's an acceptable contrivance, as it could happen, but he was never told about the cake. <laughs> Cross cuttings used pretty well a couple times. The suspect attempting to untie himself, a main man who has escaped the house and is riding on a bike, and the girl's father driving back home. There's a cool shot as our main man runs up the road, disappears in the shadow under bright lights. I really did like that shot. Another problem as he runs through, and this is my... Yeah, this is my other big problem. If there's meant to be a storm, like it goes boom, there's there's literally no rain visible. Why? Could they not afford rain? And if so, why did they put the storm in? You know, it's blindingly obvious to everybody, even people who wouldn't be so interested in film, you know? So, yeah, the suspect, um, so basically the, the main man gets back and, uh, witnesses the suspect having the side of his neck cut into as blood sprays everywhere. It's with a rusty saw and the rusty saw is, uh, what the suspect is said to have, uh, cut the girl's heads off with. So by the girl's father attempting to decapitate him, in the end, we're not sure who did it. But personally, my theory is I suspect the suspect was lying all along and that he did do it. Now, here's the great thing about this film, you know? The best thing about this film is everyone here has motives. Our main man wants to take down a possible pedophile. The girl's father just wants justice for her death and the suspect wants to prove his innocence. It makes for the perfect dynamic, particularly with the majority of the film set in one room, which actually... It reminded me a little bit of a Tarantino-style thing. It's closest to Reservoir Dogs, you know, the whole one-room thing. But yeah, overall, I think that this film was uh, quite an effective little thriller, something that I'd probably watch once. It doesn't really have too much uh, rewatchability value. It might... I might rewatch it one day, who knows? I feel like it's it's a good small-scale thing, but things could have been better. I mean, it was definitely unpredictable. You'd never know what was going to happen. But yeah, the makeup effects were pretty good. Whenever they had to have gore, it was pretty, pretty good. Uh, Yeah, but overall, I really appreciated the black comedy in this film, you know, just uh, having a few jokes around. But, you know, there's only one that I possibly considered a little bit tasteless, maybe. Uh, Your mileage may vary, but this is not a film for the faint of heart. I assume you've seen it if you're listening to this analysis. So, yes... I think that overall, this is interesting. I'd, I'd like to see more foreign films because either they, uh, either they can, they, they'll go places American film won't due to censorship or they'll uh, try stranger things or they'll try darker things or they'll try just stuff that, 
you can't really get, you can't really do in the mainstream. And that's what's really interesting to me. You know, I, people, some people have said that uh, this is the most violent Hebrew language film. And I probably doubt that because there's probably more violent out there. But yeah, I can, I can understand how Quentin likes this. It's pretty good. But again, I don't love it. You know, I don't love it, but it is pretty good. So yeah, if you want to inspire, if you want to innovate, if you want to create, if you want to electrify, we need your voice because you can change things for the better.